I have this policy where at the end of each camp, I thank every single coach. Thank you so much, coach, for having me out and coaching. Thank you very much. It's respect, it's politeness. It's it's also like the, the Japanese way. So, and I grew up Japanese. So it's just like a policy that I keep. He was the very last coach I said thank you to. And he said, oh, I actually wanted to talk to you. And I was like, what? Music to my ears, bro. Having a college coach tell me that. And that's where we kept that relationship going. And that recruiting process was co- with Coach Doby was about a year, year and a half. What's up? It's Nat, your host of the All In Podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Reina Izuka. She is the first woman to play university football in Canada. She played for the University of Manitoba as a defensive back, no less. In this episode, we talk about how she got into football, that experience of being one of the only girls or the only girl playing with the boys, the whole college recruiting process, especially with all these different things she was going through, playing against men who are, you know, like double her size. We talk about, you know, women's events and and raising visibility of women in sport, including this amazing event she went to in the NFL that was all about women in football. We talk a lot about her transition into rugby. She has a goal of making the Olympics and she's going to be playing professional rugby this year, which is amazing. Talk about her ACL recovery and her mindset of overcoming self-doubt and confidence. We talk about her wellness, her mindset habits. It we we really just go all in. So without further ado, let's do that. Let's do just that. Let's go all in. All right, welcome to the All In Podcast. Today we have Raina on. I'm so excited to chat. How's it going? I'm chilling. You know, I I literally just came back from training. And actually, you gave me a little bit more confidence, by the way, regards to like posting my own content. So actually at work, now they have me posting content for work. Yeah, so like this whole like marketing thing, I think it might lead to something hopefully in the future. So I have to thank you for that. Oh, no, no problem. Like, that's awesome. I love to see your content and I love to, yeah, see other, especially female athletes, like putting their stories out there and sharing their stories Mm -hmm. because your voice is so needed. Thank you. I appreciate that. So how are you? Sorry. How are are you good? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling. Yeah. Other than the bruise on my butt we were talking about before this. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I want to start at the beginning of your journey because like we've connected before. We've talked a little bit about like, you know, being women in sports and um, different things. And I'm so impressed with like everything you've done. So let's start at the very, very beginning. How did you get into football? Oh man, the, the, the origin story, eh? (laughs) Uh, uh, So like, Long story short, long story short. uh, So my mom, she was always, she worked like crazy hours, like insane hours because I come from a single parent uh, background. So uh, my babysitter at the time, who I'm still, you know, friends with, um, he would take me to all sorts of sport games like hockey, football, baseball. Um, So his team was BC. And uh, I... I was just always around football and I was always intrigued by it. Um, And then grade nine came and I was in an after school care program. And actually it was, it was a female teacher. She taught me. 
how to throw a perfect spiral. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I was super fascinated with like how the ball just like spiraled. Like it's just different from anything else. And literally every day in the gym, I'd like try to like throw the ball as far as I could pick it up and then throw it back. Like just repetitive. I was just so fascinated with the spiral. And eventually uh, I joined a camp and da, da, da. So it all started at nine years old. And I was friends with all the guys at school. Like, like I was, you know, I was one, I was one of them. I was like a homie. (laughs) And so literally every day, there wasn't a day where we didn't play either manhunt or football. Yes. Manhunt. That was the best game. Yeah. It's sick. It's sick. Right. Like, Okay. I, I have to share this. I, yeah. I like maybe four years ago, probably. Okay. Maybe five or six years ago, but I had a manhunt birthday party. So I no bought way. like all my like old friends and it was at nighttime <laughs> and it was in my, like it was in my elementary school parking lot. And we all, no had, way. Um, we had, what are those? Like, uh, like the glow sticks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we had glow sticks. I think I gave different colors. So like you can like put the other color glow stick if you like mm. came in or something. Mm, and it was okay. at nighttime and I said everyone like wear black. We also rented yeah. a hockey arena and did like a hockey game after, but it was like the best. It was so fun. That's so cool. That's a good idea. Yes. I think a throwback. Like that's like every like millennial Gen Z's like good party. Damn, you gotta you, you should have made content out of that. That would have been sick. It would have been cool. I mean, that was yeah, that was before TikTok. That was before I was filming a ton of stuff, but yeah, yeah, it would have yeah. been so fun. Maybe I'll have to do it again this year. Oh, uh, yeah, you've given me some good <laughs> ideas. All right, but back back to uh, you playing manhunt and football yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the yard. Yeah, yeah, so it was like manhunt and football, and eventually, like, I joined a club around, like, nine, ten years old, and uh, I don't know, like, it just it just hit me. Like it just clicked in my head, like football is what I want to do. And, um, I knew there was no female playing in the university level, uh, and in the CFL. So, you know, I I was a really ambitious kid. Uh, so my goal literally was, I want to be the first female to play university men's tackle football. Um, and yeah, I, I stuck with it the entire time and now I'm here. And, uh, yeah, long, long, long journey, but long story short. Um, yeah. I, I love that. That's so cool. And I love that it would just like this love for football and you were like, mm-hmm. that's it. I'm going to do it. I don't care if there isn't mm-hmm. anybody ahead of me who's done it. Who's right. been the first girl, like I'm going to be the first. What did you experience any barriers being a girl playing with the boys, like with the teams, with politics behind the scenes? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, like I, I would, okay. Before university, like, okay. University is a whole different journey, but let's say like before university, I would say all the politics came from coaches. Mm. So my peers, it was like, maybe they're a little tentative at first, but they saw I could hit my footwork was good. I could cover. So they gained a lot of respect. And, you know, one thing that I'm really look like looking back, I'm really proud about is that, you know, I've played for about 20 football teams uh, out of my entire career. So that's 20 different coaching staffs, 20 different like sets of players. But but the majority of them, I I earned the title of team captain. And so, yeah, thank you. So that that says a lot already in terms of the respect. Um, but there's a lot that comes with 
you know, earning that respect. So how, especially, well, I had to be smart. So, okay, especially, you know, during the time when guys and girls start to like each other, you're 13 years old, like, how do you present yourself as a, as a female? So you can't be sexualized. Hmm. And that's something I talk about with my friends all the time. It's like, well, okay, how am I going to be perceived? Because how am I going to be respected? So I couldn't just be like, quote unquote, like a regular girl. I had to be, oh, this is Reina. Hmm. Uh, so I set a really high standard in terms of how I carried myself and how I was perceived. So I didn't, I, I, I had to very much like think of things where how to defeminize myself almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you. And I feel like I, I kind of like, I went through a similar stage where I remember Mm -hmm. my parents would talk with other you know, other parents and be like, my daughter, she dresses like a boy, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm, and then they'd be like, oh, it's a stage, like, they'll change. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's funny because I just wear hoodies and sweatpants yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> probably dress the same now. But, right. um, but yeah, and it was like this whole process of like, yeah, but I, I'm hanging with the guys, I'm doing this. But then mm. eventually, when I started becoming like interested in them, then mm. it was like this really tough conflict because mm. it was like, oh, well, how come they don't like me? How come like they're just ditching me to go hang out with their girlfriends or like this? Mm. Like, how was that for you when you said like, because that hit me hard when you said like defeminizing yourself? Yeah. So, so like, I don't. Uh, let me censor myself. I don't poop where I eat. So, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I, I don't defecate where I eat for sure. So I'm very careful with, you know, um, I was very good at football was football. And to me, at, at, even at that young age, that's business. Mm. And all I think about is, I don't even think of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't. And, and that's, a, I was, <laughs> Um, to give you to give like a perspective um I was a very stoic kid I I don't know yeah yeah I was like like looking back I'm like who was she like too stoic for like such a little human being but I was and so in terms of like liking people and stuff like that I left that stuff like that wasn't even I didn't cross any boundaries um, um, at school, it, it was interesting because while well, I was a tomboy and I loved hanging out with guys because like my closest friends to this day are guys. Um, it, it's interesting. Like it's a very fine balance and, and it's sort of hard, hard to explain, but now it's like, okay, well, I spent all my time being, you know, a tomboy and being perceived a certain way but now like I want to explore that feminine side of me because it's always been there I just wasn't able to um because I had different priorities so now it's a little bit difficult uh to yeah. be honest um because like when girls were exploring makeup and like when they were 13 they have like eight years on me yeah oh I know yeah <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah, start yeah. wearing mascara until like probably even not even when I was like competing in snowboarding like yeah. it wasn't yeah, until yeah, my yeah. 20s I had no I still don't know anything yeah yeah me too don't worry about it we're on the same page <laughs> like but you know like little little stuff like that um so having that confidence in my female energy is a little bit difficult sometimes um yeah so yeah that's sort of where I stand sorry it's a little bit ambiguous but 
no, I, I, I'm glad we can relate on this. I know when we first met, I was telling you about how, like, I was similar on the playground. I was like, mm. I want to play basketball. I want to play these sports. And then all of a sudden, when the guys started getting interested in girls, they were picking mm. the other girls to play ahead of me <laughs> because like they had a crush on them. And I would get mm. so upset because I'd be like, Hey, like what happened? Like we were homies, like interesting, you know, the best player. And then interesting. They and that I really struggled with that. And then it was, it was this whole sense. And then I felt really weird when all of a sudden, and like I was like getting a little older, like 16, 17, 18 mm. and snowboarding. And all of a sudden, like these guys had crushes on me. And I was like, what? Like, mm. that's weird. <laughs> I was like, no, nobody likes me. Like, yeah. It's such a weird like coming of age, yeah. I think, as you go through that later in life than I mm. think like a lot of girls do. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> no, why would you like me? Yeah. And also like, I'm, you know, it, it, like what also I think kept me focused too was like, I'm also oblivious. Mm. So like when people, I'm sort of like, I don't want to generalize, but like, I'm sort of like a guy in that way. Like I can't take hints, like <laughs> it, just in general, like if you're trying to give me some sublim subliminal message, like I, I might not get it. Like you have to tell me quite straightforward. Um, so yeah, I think that that also kept me quite focused because I was only focused on football <laughs> and nothing else uh if that makes sense no I totally totally understand I I love that story I love talking about this stuff so what was the college recruiting process like like what was it going from yeah that high school experience and then trying to get onto a college team and be that first woman to do it um man tough tough there's so many things going on man my personal life was all over the place um and then my grade 12 season, I tore in my ACL and that's the season season where that's when you get recruited by coaches. So I'm out here with the torn people who don't know if you tear your ACL, that's like nine to 12 months out post-surgery. So I'm sitting here nine to 12 months. I can't play. I can't even go to camps. I can't show myself. So first of all, I can't show myself and market myself because I'm injured. Uh, who wants to recruit an injured player? Right. Second of all, I'm a girl. <laughs> so, so, so I was like stressed out because how am I supposed to get recruited if I have those two factors that are big factors, you know? Um, so luckily I, I was literally talking to schools in the States. I was talking to school, like I was doing everything I could. But what I did, two things I did. One, I was like, okay, well, I can't show my game film, but I'm going to record my workouts. Mm. So I recorded my workouts and um, I turned my content into credibility. So I put my content on my feed and on my stuff so coaches could at least see, oh man, like she's actually strong. Like, oh, like she she works hard. Oh, she's consist consistent. Like, Stuff like that. That was one side that I did. Another side was literally about two or three weeks before I tore my knee, I went to a showcase camp. So all the best players in the province uh, come to this camp for two, two nights. It's overnight. And all these coaches from across the country, they come to recruit. And I didn't want to go. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to another camp. Ah. But I, I don't know, something in the back of my head was like, just go. You always go to these things, just go. Why wouldn't you go this time? So I went. And that's where I met my current head coach, Coach Doby. 
And he didn't say a word to me the entire camp. So I didn't think he noticed me. I didn't think he cared. I was like, what would a Manitoba coach want anything to do with some Toronto kid? That's what I was thinking in my head. But I have this policy where at the end of each camp, I thank every single coach. Thank you so much, coach, for having me out and coaching. Thank you very much. It's respect, it's politeness. It's it's also like the, the Japanese way. So, And I grew up Japanese, so it's just like a policy that I keep. He was the very last coach I said thank you to. And he said, oh, I actually wanted to talk to you. And I was like, what? Music to my ears, bro. Having a college coach tell me that. And that's where we kept that relationship going. And that recruiting process was co- with Coach Doby was about a year, year and a half. And he wasn't sure. He wasn't, you know, he was on the fence. Well, it's new. And I totally understand where he's coming from. So, so in between that time of like going back and forth, I said, you know what, Coach? I'm going to University of Manitoba anyways. That's the only school I apply to. Um, I'm not applying to any other school. I don't need to be on the team roster because I, I tore my knee. I can't hit. I can't even run. It doesn't matter. May I please just experience what it's like to be a part of the team? Because they were also thinking, oh, she could be a potential coach in the future. Because then I would have a different experience that nobody else in the country would have, right? Um, so I said, may I come in meeting rooms? Let me go to practices and just watch. Can I do team lifts? And he said, okay, if that's the case, yeah, absolutely. So I came over to Manitoba. And then it, for that whole year, my first year of uni, I wasn't on the team. I was doing everything all the guys were doing, but I, but I wasn't officially on the roster. And then second year came he put me on the roster. So it's a very long-winded answer, but it was a very long-winded time time period for me of just like stress and is this going to happen? Like this is this is the moment that I've been working so hard for. Is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? And that was the first time I kind of had doubt as to whether or not my dreams would actually come true. But luckily in the end it came true. And I did my 4 years, I did my time and now I'm transitioning. But yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> that's I love that because I think for anybody listening, it gives two important points, which are about the two things that you did is mm-hmm. like you focused on what you could control and mm-hmm. you did the workouts, you put the work ethic in and you also like shared that. And mm-hmm. that's, there's something to that. I think a lot of people think, oh, like if I'm the best people will come to me or this will happen, no. <laughs> but you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do anything that you can, any tool in your toolkit, use mm-hmm. it, put yourself out there. You never know where those opportunities can come from from mm-hmm. someone saw this video they sent it to their mom they sent it to the uncle like there's yeah. so many things that can happen with that and then mm-hmm. number two was just like how you handle yourself and the character that you had of like handshaking and meeting with everyone that might not have sparked the conversation he might have you know had it in his head oh I want to talk mm-hmm. with her but like whatever like I have all these other people I have to talk to it's not priority and then he saw that and was like oh, I need to talk with her. This is going to spark the conversation. So I think Mm -hmm. that those, those two lessons are, you know, big key takeaways for anyone listening. Thank you. Yeah. I I really appreciate that. Like it it was, it was quite the experience, like recruiting in general, like football players know this, the recruiting process in general is stressful. Like it's so, it's incredibly stressful. Um, So, but I'm also really glad that I had that experience because now with rugby, even though I'm, I'm new to rugby, I actually had like, I actually have people coming to me now. 
so different from like before I had to go to people, but because I put in that work and I went through all those stages, now I'm at the stage where people are actually like, I'm, I'm fortunate enough. People are coming to me. Coaches are coming to me. People are saying, come to this team or come to that team or, you know, so, so it's nice that I I'm having both experiences and not just one over the other, because I think as my goal is to be whichever national team that I play for is to be team captain. So hopefully when I get that opportunity, I I'm more relatable and I can help more people because of the contrasting experiences. Hmm. I love the way that you look at that, like at that experience and how you're trying to build into that leadership position. And I hmm. think that's important for sure. Like ha- being able to have that empathy for other people because you've been through similar things from both sides is, is huge before we move on to, yeah, to talk rugby, rugby. Cause I want to yeah talk about everything you're doing now. Walk <laughs> me through like playing college experience. And also like, we never talked about what position you played. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it? I'm a DB. So defensive back, uh, I got reps in, at uh, strong half. So that's like any football heads out there. That's like the fields, the field side, the wide side of the field halfback in the States. I think it would probably be more equivalent to strong side safety. Um, yeah, that, that was, it was tough because I was going through a lot of injuries <laughs> at the, at that time. And I looking back, I'm like, man, like stress for athletes, really affects your physical, not just your mental. Mm. Um, it, it was a very, it was a very, uh, interesting position that I was in and it got better each year because the, um, not to put veterans down, uh, but we did have sort of some issues my first year, like just as a team, in terms of team culture. So me being me and then coming in to an already not so great kind of toxic team environment kind of like stirs stuff up even more unintentionally. Um, so, so it was a rough first year. Second year was rough as well because I was also, I was coming back from injury, but I did get some practice reps in third year was like, um, in like sort of like going through hamstring stuff at the beginning of camp, which made me look really bad. Um, just the perception of like, Oh, she's always injured. Is she a PR stunt? Is she actually going to practice it? So there was a lot of pressure from that angle. Also just like, this is the highest level that I have ever played in my life. And I've been injured for so long. And my third year was the first time where I could actually consistently get on the field which I'm sure you understand with your shoulder and your injuries and stuff. Um, so coming like, so the level I was at was definitely not where I wanted to be or knew where I could be. Um, so I, I had to like, just face a lot of, um, embarrassment to, to be honest in terms of an athlete, like, um, especially when you know what you're capable of <laughs> mm-hmm. and then, and then like trying to get back in the groove of things. But by the end of the season, like I was really, you know what I was, I was proving myself and I was getting better. Um, I, uh, it's kind of a long story, but I, by the end of the season, like literally the week before I tore my other knee, I, I proved myself to the team in terms of my physicality in a, in a hitting drill. I did, I did, it was like a movie moment. 
Um, and it was very special and I'm glad that happened before I got injured. Um, it was, it was, it was tough, man. It, it, it was really tough physically, mentally. And, and here, here's the thing, here's the thing. Like, um, I, I like the path that I choose that I chose, I would not recommend it to everyone. Just, just like, if I'm going to be tra- like, I'm, and that's not to insult anyone. It's just, uh, I don't want to be ideological about things. I'm very supportive of women in sport. I think women's football should grow. That would be fantastic. Like to have a league just for women at a really elite high level, that'd be great. Unless you are certain, uh, mentally a certain way and physically a certain way, and you can handle a lot, um, going the men's route is a very difficult route. Right. And it's not, it's not for everyone. Even the guys don't want to hit the guys. Let's, let's put, <laughs> let, let, let's put it that way. It's just not me, man. The guys don't want to hit the guys. So it, it, it was, um, it was a lot, but going into rugby now, it's kind of like, why hit a guy who took steroids nine months ago <laughs> and who was an absolute tank? So why can't I hit? this person on the rugby pitch right now. So yeah. it, it, it's sort of like, it's a, it's a, it's a give and take. Um, yeah. Sorry. It's kind of a long winded answer. It's sort of ambiguous, but I, I was, I was, I was mentally really going through it back then for sure. Like I, I didn't understand uh, about mental health until that time period. I, I would have not been able to empathize with somebody who had anxiety or with somebody who had panic attacks um, so that experience was actually good because it makes me more um, empathetic and like I can actually put myself in other people's shoes a lot better than before that year. Right. I, de- mm-hmm. I definitely want to ask you about that, but mm-hmm. you were talking about like size and mm-hmm. that's been in my head since uh, like hearing about your story. Because yeah, yeah. I think that we're pretty close to the same size. When I look up your stats, like we're around the same height or uh-huh. I think we're close to the same weight. And I could not imagine hitting like three, like you're on the field with like 300 pound <laughs> men. Yeah. <laughs> One quote that I love that I've always had, cause I grew up like when I played hockey as a kid, I was tiny, like really small. I went through a very late mm-hmm. growth spurt and a quote that stuck with me that was said by a teammate's mom on the way home from a game was it's not how big you are it's how big you play Mm. and I feel like you embody that saying especially with everything you were just talking about like even those guys don't want to hit the other guys and you hear about all these concussions and just how aggressive the game is how was it like playing and competing against people who are that much bigger like what did you like what did you have to do to be able to like keep up Mm. and like handle yourself against people that big well well thank you first of all that means a lot to me um second Luckily, uh, because we're at a more elite level, we don't hit every practice. Okay. So you actually take pads off uh, for most of the week. And then like closer to game day, you put pads on to like simulate game situation. Um, So that certainly helped, like not just me, but everybody else, because you're less likely to get injured if you hit less. Um, That was certainly a factor, like just scientifically, biologically, I mean, practically speaking uh number two it's just like i don't know like when you (laughs) when you like i I was scared the entire like i'm like i'm always 
terrified. Like even in rugby, I'm always terrified. Like there's not a moment, like I love hitting, but it's a, it's a, it can be a very scary thing. Um, which is strange. Uh, but I don't know when you, when you're about to hit somebody, you just, it's like this, this is my thing. When I'm about to hit somebody, I just blank out. I say, it's bound to happen anyways. (laughs) Here we go. And you just go in and and you see like what you can do and what happens. That's it. Like, and it's terrifying, bro. I'm like, like the feelings are coming up and like just thinking (laughs) about it. It's yeah, it's very scary. But sometimes you make a huge hit and it's sick. (laughs) And and then sometimes you get run over, you know, and sometimes you make a great hit, but you don't wrap up because you're so in your head about, you know, this hit, this big guy that's coming at you. So you kind of like have to tackle, but I mean, like in those moments, you literally just have to shut your brain and not think like, don't be logical, be the most not logical person you can be in two seconds. That's it. That's just what I, that's my method. That's what I do. Um, yeah. And, and it's like any, like any moment, like in general, where you, you feel fear, you know, a lot of people talk about like, uh, they don't do something because they're scared to do it. Like I, like I, like I understand, but I also don't completely relate because it's like, yeah, I'm scared, but I also know eventually I'm going to have to do it. Otherwise it's going to bother me Mm. internally so do I want to feel bothered internally for however long I'm postponing me wanting to do this thing or am I just gonna say okay the opportunity is here might as well just just go for it um and and that's sort of because I know I know who I'm going to become why would I postpone it yeah, I, that that hit me hard because this weekend I entered just a for fun snowboard competition. Mm. I kind of felt bad because I was like, hey, I competed at this high level and now I'm just entering mm. this whole thing. There's like young girls. But anyways, my brother was like, no, like the level of young riders is so good. Like take no mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I was riding amazing. I was having such a blast. I was like, I, I kind of knew like I was winning and uh, I, I was got to like the jumps and I was doing these tricks and I was like having a fun. And I was like, okay, well, I still have another jump left, but like, I don't need to push it. Like, I don't need to do anything. Like, and I was like, Oh, this one trick would be really cool. Like I haven't done it in so long, but in my head, mm-hmm. I like mentally accepted. I'd never do it again because I, it's been so mm-hmm. long. Cause I, when I first retired, I was like, I can't get injured again. So then all of a sudden, because it's been so long of doing some of like those tricks, I was like, well, I'm probably going to get injured now if I try them. Cause I probably don't remember them. So mm. I had this big like fear. And then I saw this young girl go and try it and she fell and nothing bad happened. And I was mm. like, okay, like if like, this is what I'm here for to like push that comfort zone. And just like what you said, it would bother me. Like, I know mm. it would bother me inside if mm-hmm. I just went home and was like, nah, I'll just do the same trick I've been doing all day and like not do this trick again. And it felt, I did it, landed it first try. Everything was super good. Like it looked good. And I was like, wow, if I hadn't had that pivotal moment and like face that fear, I would probably never have done that trick again in my life. And now it's back yeah. and now I can keep doing it and be like, Hey, that's back in like my arsenal of really comfortable tricks that I know I'm like not going to hurt myself. Like I feel in my comfort zone. 
And uh, yeah, so that, that really hit me hard. And that also, you know, brings me to how important it is also just like having, like for me, it was having that young girl around and like seeing her mm. try it push me. And I think it's important like in women, like in sports, when we talk about that is like having girls brought together. And when we first talked, you told me about like this NFL event um, mm. that you went to in the States. Like, could you tell me more about that? Cause it sounded really cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it was in 2019 is the 2019 women's and careers conference, the NFL hosted, and it was to kick off the combine. Unfortunately, I couldn't see the combine, but I was watching them set it up, which is super cool. Um, I, I actually didn't qualify to go because I was not working. I was an athlete. They were looking for people who were already working. So I was actually the youngest at the conference because everyone's like, you know, working, doing their thing. I'm only second year university, like just this little, little nut, like in a room filled with OGs. And it was just a surreal experience. Um, Thank you to the CFL and my head coach and Gene Muller for setting that up for me. My school was really kind and actually flew me out to Indianapolis um, where the conference. So it, a, so it was the first time that I ever like flew by myself and I'm wearing my little business suit, you know, and I have my little like travel bag. <laughs> and then I, I walk in and I go, I'm in the States. I'm like some, somewhere new. Um, and I sit down and actually my, my seat was in like, the second row and there were, there were many rows, but I was like up front and I'm like, Oh, like, that's crazy. I'm like, that's crazy. And they have my little name tag on there, Reina Izuka, and they have my VIP pass. And I'm like, Whoa, this is sick. And, <laughs> and it was just a very surreal experience. And I didn't know how many girls actually like cared about football. Um, I, I just wasn't surrounded by it anywhere. I went, I was always the only girl playing and I was totally cool. Like it didn't bother me growing up. Um, cause I was just like, just super focused on my, on myself and like just playing for myself. Um, but yeah. It, and to see like all these head coaches talking and then actually having football conversation, like breaking down film with other girls, it was, it was just different. And there was a whole energy and a whole vibe that was incredibly vibrant. And I was like, man, like, Oh, this is where I could be. Like I can actually be here with these people in a place like this in 10 years or 15 years, however long it takes. So it's it sort of, I think was a foreshadow. And do you know, Kelly Bronson? no, she, so she she's um she coaches for Cleveland Browns. She she's got a, a short haircut like a, a fade. She's awesome. I actually met her at the airport um at the end of the conference and no one was around her and I called my mom I'm like, "Oh, should I ask her to get coffee? Like I'm kind of nervous." And my mom was like, "Yeah, just go for it." And then just like as we were talking about earlier about the courage thing. I'm like, "You know what? Just do it." Like so I went up to her and I said, "Coach, if you have time, like I would love to have coffee with you." And she's like, "Yeah, absolutely." So it, it was a very valuable, like I would say that interaction interaction with coach Kelly was uh, the most valuable interaction of, out of the entire event, because I'm still connected with her. Um, and she's awesome. And she's, she's actually the head coach for the um, uh, women's U S 
national football team this year. Oh, okay. um, yeah. You should, you should search her up. Like there there's, she's, she's got a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a surreal event and thinking, you know what? Like, you no know, realizing, Oh man, like I can be here. Like, Oh, I belong, I belong here. And, and I, I just didn't know like how important football was to so many women. I just didn't know. Mm. Um, so it was cool. It was very cool. It was very cool. I love that story because I love that they hosted that event and like how meaningful it was. And I'm sure other people at the event had similar meaningful experiences. How do you think like sports, like football, like, I don't know, baseball is similar. Like how can they become more inclusive to women and make girls feel like they can belong? Is it events like that where all of a sudden you go and you're like, wow, I belong here. Like I can make my own spot here. Yeah, probably like, of course, like events like that, Uh, like in terms of what do you mean? Like, like what could the, like the head leagues, like what could the NHL, NFL, like MLB be doing? Or you just mean in general general too? Like, for example, like you grew up like being the only girl who played football and I'm sure maybe Mm. there was, I know I wished I wanted to play. I was like, dad, Mm. like, can I play? I want to be a quarterback like this. And he was like, well, yeah, like you could, but like where we were there already, we didn't have high school teams or anything. So already Mm. like nobody, not even any of the guys I knew played. So it kind of made it even more of a barrier. So I ended up playing boys baseball because the guys in my school played, but even then it was, you know, it was hard to get other girls to play baseball. Like I was still the only person. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of girls who definitely could have, could have played. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I, I definitely think uh, men or women um, flag football is a really good route. Mm. Excuse me. Flag football is a really good route. Um, Like to have like little flag football clinics. Um, because it it introduces you to even like just touching the ball, passing the ball, catching. And then when you get a certain age, then you can transition into hitting. But I, I like I, I really think flag football and it's easy. You know, all you need is flat. You don't even need flags. You just right, need a football. Equipment is expensive. Equipment is expensive. Like none of us pay for our own equipment, by the way. Like football demographic, most people can't afford football yeah. demographic, generally speaking, excuse me, is a is a is a or a specific demographic of people who typically cannot afford equipment. So, so actually the club owns the equipment, but flag football is like, you can literally get a towel and like put it in your shirt and then grab a flag. Um, also probably, you know what? It's, it's like, I hate to be cliche, but we live in an abundant world especially now with social media, bro. I posted, you saw my noodle TikTok, right? The silver. I posted that three weeks ago, 22 million views on TikTok. Yeah. Crazy. Over, over noodles, bro. So, so that tells you like how, like there's so much access to so many different people. You just have to be willing to um, put yourself out there and connect with coaches and people it's not hard to create a group of, of people it, like like if i just made a message in the uh and, and sent it to the greater toronto area people saying like hey let's have like a touch game on saturday this location these many people are coming out already let's do it send it i'm sure 30 30 people will show up right because it's technology so most kids have a phone use it in a positive way. And, and I think like being creative with how you connect with people, networking with people, that's what starts it. Mm -hmm. You're you're not, you're not limited to your small town anymore. 
you can now create your own opportunities before you had to rely on other people to have opportunities set for you. But now it's no, there's literally no excuse. Like there are a little, like eight year olds selling NFTs for millions of dollars. <laughs> like, like, like you can, you can create noise around wanting to play football and creating like a touch game on a Saturday. Mm. Um, so I think for me, it's just, I, I hope I don't sound harsh. I'm just like quite straightforward, but like create those opportunities because I had to create my own opportunities. You have, you had to create your own opportunities and the coaches before me had to create their own opportunities, but now the opportunities are more accessible. Mm, right. Like I, I always think of like when I wanted to play baseball, like I didn't see anybody playing, but now seeing mm. like, Rachel Balkovic be a manager in the minor leagues, like seeing mm-hmm. all these different scenarios and we can all access that on social media and it's in the news and it's in our face every day, which is why yeah. I think visibility and representation is so important. And, you know, girls mm-hmm. on this podcast will hear your story. Um, mm-hmm. They see you in the news. They see like what you're doing on right. social media and that's going to inspire them. And so I think that's just, yeah, I think that's so important and uh, definitely agree with what you said. And especially yeah, like football equipment, I didn't even think about that is so expensive. And yeah. if it, it makes it almost elitist for a certain demographic to be able to afford <laughs> the equipment, which is why the clubs have to do it. And then it's only in the areas where yes. clubs can, can do that similar, you know, like hockey, hockey equipment is so expensive, especially for yeah. a growing kid. And that was always something, you know, I think the NHL and like different leagues are trying to do things to make it more accessible Mm. to reach a wider demographic because Mm -hmm. the sport has really become, you know, you have to be paying for summer camps and right. Yeah. 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 And like, if you want to play like team Canada, no, like team Ontario, whatever, whatever the equivalent would be for hockey, I'm sure that's like seven, 10 grand right there for a weekend, you know, like football, no, the, the clubs, generally speaking, the club supplies everything. If you can have your own equipment, that's great. Um, but yeah, no, um, football is one of those demographics where most, most people are, cannot afford, um, 200 bucks for like, you know, uh, actually, no, I don't even think shoulder pads would cost 200. I think they cost more. Um, yeah. Right. But yeah. Anyways, that's sorry. Kind of going off topic, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'm glad that the clubs do that because I, I know even in the professional women's hockey leagues, my friend was playing in one of them that ended up folding. Um, but she told me she, they had to buy their own equipment and pay for their own equipment. And it's supposed to be a professional women's hockey league. Really? So it's just, it's mind blowing. Mm. Mm, yeah that sucks <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so now let's let's talk about rugby like that's that's your goal that's your dream now I think it yeah. makes sense it's a perfect transition we've talked before about how I think like rugby is one of the like best fitness sports because running and hitting and like you know anaerobic <laughs> stuff but also aerobic stuff like it just mm-hmm. it's you have to be so athletic so yeah tell me what you're doing like how has that process been and like what's what's yeah. your goal there it's like the death of me, bro. Like running, <laughs> like, running. like, like running. Look, I love hitting. I love, and, and you know, I, like training to be able to run like that, especially if you're playing sevens that like, it amazes me. I'm really working on it. And like me coming off of rehab does not help with my, you know, uh, like being able to run. Um, but 
I would say that like the conditioning part is the most difficult part. Um, but my, my, yeah. So my goal is to play, uh, sorry, let me rephrase this. So I'm going to be playing professional rugby in Japan as of August. So I'm going to fly out in August. Um, and my goal is to play either in the Olympics or the world cup within the next, uh, five years or both. If I could play both, we'll (laughs) see, we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but that, but that's my goal. Um, I actually always had like Olympic dreams, but football, there's no Olympic, like football in the Olympics. So that wasn't even like that got swept under the rug. Like it's not even an avenue, but now it's a legit avenue. Um, Rugby is a different environment. It's interesting. Um, At least from what I experienced so far, it's very like, if you don't know something, someone's willing to teach you, Hmm. which is like strange to me. Like I'm used to more of like a, F U environment, <laughs> like, like a very like, hyper masculine football world, gritty, very gritty, very like you have to earn your respect. Mm. Like, it's like, show me something, and then okay, we're cool, you know, like, show mm. me that you can do something. But here, it's interesting, like, and to be fair, like, I haven't, like, I've only played locally so far, like, just for training before I head out to Japan. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a very, like, like they would drink beers with their opponent at the end of the game. Like you try to do that with the football team. There's going to be fights breaking out. Like, like somebody's going to end up somewhere. Not good. You, you know, like, it's yeah. so, so, so it's very funny. Um, like, it's just, it's a totally contrast, like, like feel and vibe and you have to adapt to not only the playing but just the style of community um sorry yeah I'm sort of like I'm just thinking about the vibe and I got sort of lost in the sauce what was the question again <laughs> no is that just like what's how's that process been it was a super broad question so I just, no, I'm no, just it's curious okay. of like how that journey is and like what your goals are but you you answered yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I'm very excited. Uh, actually, the general manager uh, from Japan for the team that I'm going to play for is coming to visit me in Toronto in May, oh, which sick. is like, yeah, I'm like, like, that's so Japanese of him, like so <laughs> respectful and old school. Like, I love that. Like, that's like for me, you're coming to see me. That's insane. <laughs> um, So that's very exciting. I'm just prepping, bro. Like, it's just like anything else. I'm sure, you know, the transition. Um, yeah, it's like, I'm really trying to build up my confidence though. Um, when I was at practices earlier, two years ago at rugby practices, I was still trying to get over, you know, my mentally low state that I was in during football. And I thought I was like the worst athlete on earth. Um, I would be making sick plays, but it didn't matter. I, I still thought like, ah, like I'm not that good. And I, like, I was, kind of like timid um even though I didn't like show it I guess but my coach came up to me and she's like you know Raina like you you it's there's a very high possibility that you could be in the Olympics and World Cup in the next two years and when she said that to me because she was a former she's a former um goat in the rugby world um Andrew Burke but when she said that when coach Burke said that to me I was like wow okay somebody at that level is recognizing me. So I don't have to feel so terrible about myself 
Like I'm doing something right. So I honestly think like as an athlete, the biggest struggle that I'm having right now is gaining back my confidence because a lot of it was pretty much all of it was, was lost (laughs) during that four, actually six, six year window. The last six years have been like rough and just feeling like I'm, I'm worth something as an athlete. So like gaining that back is, is quite difficult, but I think once I start playing games and I start like scoring points and doing, you know, doing those things and being a part of a team environment again, I'm really hoping that like helps with uh, my confidence and my mental. Um, But that's sort of like where I'm at as, as an athlete. Hmm. No, I appreciate you sharing that because we love to talk about mental health on the podcast. I think especially Mm -hmm. in the sports space, the more we talk about it, the more normalized it is. And the more Mm -hmm. like younger athletes are like, wait, like, is that what I'm dealing with too? Is that what Mm -hmm. I'm feeling? There are solutions. There are other people Mm -hmm. experiencing this who are at a high level. Um, so important because I know like you talked about, like it wasn't talked about back then. You didn't hear about mental health and Mm -hmm. I was similar when I was going through stuff. So if if you don't like, if you feel comfortable with it, what were, because I wanted to ask you earlier when you were talking about, you you know, losing, you're having self-doubt, losing your confidence and you're talking a little mm-hmm. bit about it now. What are some of the ways that you're trying to build that back up? Like, how are you rebuilding your confidence as an athlete? And how are you dealing with yeah. managing your mental health to kind of just, yeah, be, be, be at your best and, um, accept that. Yeah. You know what? Building my confidence back up is really tough. Like, like I, and you know, it's funny because like, like my friends are like, what? You're like the most confident person ever. Blah. And I'm like, <laughs> like, like, I guess like, yeah, that's the energy that like comes out of me, but like, there's a really insecure, like, and I feel it. Like I can like physically feel it. There's a warm spot in my chest and it, and it comes out. And I think it's something deeply ingrained in me that probably I, I grew up, I grew up uh, Buddhist. So I have certain like spiritual beliefs. So I think like there's something that's left over from past um, that may be still there because it's incredibly strong. Uh, and it just like came out during that situation. I mean, that four year period, which is interesting. So it's something I think I have to deal with at a deeper level. Mm. Um, but how, how am I getting, how am I conquering my confidence? Well, you know what, tearing my ACL again last year certainly did not help. Uh, uh, like, like, honestly, I, like I was on a rise and I was doing really well. I was, I was training, I was making a lot of progress. Like I was learning the game and then boom, tore it at like a team Canada rugby league tryout, uh. um, which was like, Oh, I was like heartbroken. But one thing I will say because of how my mother taught me, I'm very good at picking good people to be around me. So I only have supportive, positive, genuine people close in depth to me. That doesn't mean I'm rude to everyone else. Doesn't mean I cut people out my life. Like, you know, like that stuff you see on social media, I'm very you know cordial and fr- friendly with everybody. Um, but the people that I do have very close to me are, are incredibly genuine, very human, very positive people. So that gives me comfort when I, when I need it. Um, also I invested in, um, my strength and conditioning coach, Alex Bay, who I, I sent you his Instagram. Yeah, handle. Yeah, I followed him. yeah. He's amazing. So I was calling around like, um, and athletes it's, it's worth, if you're trying to be an elite athlete, it is worth investing in a very 
good strength and conditioning coach if you can, um, if you want to perform at a high level. He, when I, sorry, when I called him to ask him about, you know, his philosophy and thinking about, you know, how he trains athletes and how he would approach somebody like me coming off an injury, da, 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 he said, well, first off, that's never going to happen again. So his confidence in saying, you, not saying that because training with him, it'll not, never happen again, but just like him making that framework saying, you're, you tearing your knee will never happen again because it can't happen again. So what we're going to, we're going to do everything that we can from nutrition to sleep, to stress, uh, to what we actually do in the gym. Uh, we're going to set you up so you never get injured again. And if you do get injured in a different way, you're going to be able to bounce back real quick from it. So I see him all the time. Like, like, you know, you're an athlete, you train all the time. So I'm around him. I'm around Alex all the time, his vibe, his personality, his confidence. Um, he doesn't BS. He's very straightforward, but he also knows how to turn it, turn it down when he can tell that I'm not doing well. He knows how to turn it up. He holds me accountable. So having somebody like him as my mentor really helps me build back my confidence and the progressions that we do. So it, it, I think it really comes down to who do you have around you? Um, and are they keeping you accountable? Hmm. Um, I am very hard on my friends. I love my friends. Uh, but, but they can tell you like, uh, like I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say something <laughs> to them. That's and good. I, and I expect the same from them. I really do. I expect the same from them. Even if it hurts, I, I expect the same from them. And so to have a coach like that, that I see all the time, that's super, that makes me super accountable um, and puts just enough pressure on me. Um, that I think that's the key for me right now to, to build back my confidence. It takes a lot, man. It takes a lot. A tree doesn't just grow. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it take it takes time. So it's, that's sort of my long winded answer, but basically surround yourself with the appropriate people and be very smart with who you have around you because who you have around you represents you and who you post on social media represents you and your perception. And also, so it's a fine, like we're going a little bit off topic, but I, I think young athletes really need to understand you need to have your reputation and your character both aligned at the highest level you possibly can, not one or the other. Um, that's going to help. That's going to set you up to get recruited. That's going to set you up to making great connections. And that's going to set you up to um, being a really good teammate and role model. Um, but yeah, sorry. I kind of went off topic, but no, I loved it. I think those are great tips. And and that leads to like the last thing I wanted to talk about, which mm -hmm. is I know you're big into wellness and mindset. Mm -hmm. And you talked about recovery and like eating mm -hmm. right and um, doing sleeping right and all those things to make sure that you don't get injured. Can you share some of your daily practices or some of those like top tips for other athletes or anyone else who's looking to just like, you know, have better energy and perform better and recover yeah. better? Don't skip breakfast. I know you hooligans are sk skipping breakfast. Like eat a good breakfast, eat protein in the morning. Um, yeah. Make sure you have a very heavy 
not heavy, but a lot of protein in the morning to start your day. Um, I'm sure you, you, you know that you're yourself. Oh yeah. I'm a big, uh, definitely. I mean, I sleep just thinking about breakfast. Mm. <laughs> I'm so excited. The last few days I've been really upset because we were out of eggs. I'm a mm. big egg person and yeah, yeah. it just with my training schedule and my boyfriend working, like yeah. none of us went to the grocery store and I was like, oh, ah. and he went today, but, uh, while I was training, which is good. But I was like, so I was like, protein waffles and I was like now I'm getting sick of this like I need my protein waffles and my eggs like you gotta, yeah, 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 you gotta yeah. get that big breakfast done yeah for sure like uh yeah you know and especially like depending on your sport I would totally invest if you can invest and if you can't invest research because everybody can research everybody has access to the internet um even if you need to use an internet cafe or your local library research nutrition Mm-hmm. nutrition 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 that is that is gonna that alone will completely change your game and it's insane how good you feel when you fuel your body with what it's what it wants and what it needs not what you want what your body wants not that you want that piece of cake because your body doesn't need that piece of cake and you might actually be craving that because you're low in protein. So educate yourself on that. Sleep. Make sure you sleep. Um, that's super important. I I invested in um, more affordable. Uh, it's not a Fitbit, but like one of those recovery watches. Okay. I got it like 50 or 60 bucks on Amazon. It's, it's completely worth it. It monitors your heart rate, tracks your sleep. It shows everything on, on your app, like when you hit REM. Um, sleep, nutrition, um, and make sure that make sure you have time to chill. Cause mm. I think with motivational culture, every, everybody's always like, you got to go hard all the time. Well, you can go hard all the time now, but you're going to hit a wall <laughs> eventually. And that, that, that wall is going to be a big wall and you're going to be out for a very long time if you don't take care of yourself. So when it's time to chill, relax, and it's time to spend time with your family, do it because that actually makes your performance better, believe it or not. Um, also other things that athletes should be doing, athletes should be reading. Uh, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you should be reading, uh, and adopt a skill if you can outside of sport, guitar, singing, piano, I don't know, coding, anything. So I know I gave a lot of tips, but those are those are all important. Um, and you determine based on the stage that you're at in your life. Yeah. I love that. And that leads into, I have three questions that I ask every Mm -hmm. guest at the end. And the first one, similar to the questions I just asked you, but it's out of all your daily habits that you do, what is the one single biggest game changer for you? Oh my God. Nutrition. (laughs) <laughs> right now right now young athletes listen you don't feel it you don't feel it now because you're young and it doesn't like you're full of energy so you can eat like a box of ritz crackers and and be fine the rest of the day but nutrition is is a huge game changer and you you will thank yourself uh it, it prevents injury your focus is way better uh, your training is actually, you lit, you can lift heavier, you can lift more, you can run faster. Um, and you're a better person to other people because you're more present. Mm-hmm. Um, when you eat, when you eat properly, it's insane. Like you actually treat people better. 
<laughs> um, like, like it's insane. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I would, that's what I would say. Right. Well, like lots of people get the highs and lows of the sugar swings, like the insulin mm. spikes and, and back mm-hmm. down. And I know that's something I would like, for example, I'm like, okay, I finished this training session. Like, you know, maybe I just want this like bowl of this. Cause I am <laughs> going right back to this other training session. And I'm like, I actually just need like the quick carbs, like quick sugars. Mm. Sometimes there's a time you need that, but sometimes like if it's a day off, I'm like, if I'm eating all these cookies, I know I'm going to spike my, my blood sugar. Yeah. Also it's going to drop and I'm going to feel and be moody for the rest of the day. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, I have ADHD. So I have to like, think about mm-hmm. like mental stuff, right? Like it triggers my anxiety yeah. if I get that drop. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think people like, it's important to be aware of those things. And like, like balance, like at least knowing, cause then even if you make that choice, like you're aware when it does drop, why you're mm-hmm. not thinking it's something else. You're like, Oh, you know why this is happening is cause I ate yeah. that or this happened. Are there, th- this isn't one of the, like the questions, but just based on that, like what, I guess like, like, what are the things that you're doing with your nutrition? Like, are you eating? Like, I know like, for example, Tom Brady is like all plant-based and then some people are all mm. like for high protein. Like what's, what's your kind of thing? Um, and, and like, I want to also remind athletes, like, especially young athletes, cause we're easily influenced. Tom Brady can be whatever Tom Brady wants to be because he has the resources. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so if Tom Brady wants to be vegan or if Tom Brady wants to be very particular in what he eats, that's great, but he has the resources. Grade 10 Sally who lives in the middle of nowhere who lives with her single mom might not have the resources or the connections yet to, to do those things or the not like just the wisdom and the knowledge of people who've done it before. She's not, she's not going to be exposed to that unless she does serious research and on it's it. Expensive, so right. Like to it, get high yeah. quality, like vegan foods that are going to fill your protein. Necess- yep. Like there's a lot of exactly nutrition stuff that isn't necessarily accessible. Yes. So, so, Depending upon the individual, um, your nutrition will vary. Men's nutrition, women's nutrition, completely different. What you should be eating on your period is much different than what you would be eating um, when you're not on your period. You know, like, so, so I, I, again, if you can invest in a nutritionist, even if it's like one consultation, I totally would even like, you know, what's really cool. Like you and well, I'm Japanese and you're what, what's your background again? I'm like half Canadian, half Venezuelan. So last- right. Oh, Venezuelan. Yes. That's so cool. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. Okay. That's very cool. Um, I grew up with a bunch of like South American like friends when, when I was little. Yeah. A- a- anyways, anyways, takes me back. Um, so me eating a uh, dairy product, I don't actually have the enzymes because I'm Japanese mm, because there were no such thing as Latin people. Yeah, ex- exactly. Right. Just because the history, like our genes. So but maybe somebody else who comes from a background, like I'm just going to make an assumption, like Mongolians, they eat a lot of dairy product because okay. they're nomadic and like goats and stuff. They, they were able to walk around, you know, uh, and travel around like the globe. Um, I, I'm going to assume that they can take dairy product a lot better than you and I can. So, so I, I'm, I just want to be really careful with, what I say, because I don't want to influence somebody in the wrong way. Individual specific. Yes. It's very, it's very individual. So, but I I do make sure that I get my protein in the morning. 
Um, I, I, in the morning, uh, I, I feel a lot better when I have a snack after training and then have lunch rather than wait until I get home and, and have lunch. I'm a baby food pack person. I like really, yeah. Oh yeah. Like I always have baby food packs for training, especially if it's a long session, I might even have Mm. it like during the session. Cause if I'm like, Mm. you know, in there for three hours, I'm like, I need to get my glycogen back up. And for a while, like I was like simple sugars, you know, like sugar powders, but I was like, I just love baby food. Baby food. It's like, there's some maybe vegetables with fruits. Like it's easy. Interesting. Okay. I've never thought of that. Okay. I'm going to ask Alex about baby food. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask baby Alex. Food or yeah. like, um, there's these go-go squeezes you can get there. I yes. get them at the grocery store and yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. yeah, I still call them baby food, but my other friend, she's a, an athlete too. And she was like, I know that's not baby food. It's like fruit packs. And I'm like, stop mm. trying to adult it. It's baby yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think today, like I had like, I don't know the banana apple one or like there's yeah, banana yeah. mango, like, that's you know, a good idea. simple, easy. That's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, and also supplementation, research supplements. A lot of people are like, typically speaking, low in magnesium and vitamin D. Uh, it's crazy how good you, yeah, it's just crazy how good you feel when you take the correct supplements. But again, consult a nutritionist. Everybody is different. The human body is its own little universe and own little ecosystem. Um, and it, it, like everybody likes to say that you have your mind and you have your body. And that they're two separate things, but I find that very difficult to believe because it's insane how each one affects each other. And as an athlete, I'm sure, you know, um, so like, like being an athlete, I don't know if you feel this, but like being an athlete, like so in tuned with your body, Mm. um, like an insane awareness of, of the physical and the mental, which is, which is like, would, I would never have that if I wasn't an athlete, I think. Well, I think that's the cool thing and why I love having conversations like this and how I think that they can relate also to people who aren't athletes and just Mm. control their wellness, their mental health, like mindset is because when you're an athlete, your whole job is to like, like be the best physically and mentally. So you're Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out what that is for you. And you're, you're, you're seeking Mm. experts on all these different paths. Like you're going to nutritionist, you're trying to, you know, figure out what is it that's affecting me and causing the self-doubt and this confidence. And then you're able to express that in something that people understand. Like people can Mm. see a game, they can see you being confident. They can, and when you talk about it, you can give examples. And then that's Mm -hmm. why I think people outside of sport can understand like a podcast like this, and like how it conveys into their life, whatever they're trying to do. Right. Right. It's like, a yeah, that's such a good point. It's like, uh, you're forced, like if you want to be elite in a sense, like you're, you're, you're forced to deeply analyze yourself, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Like it's very cool, but yeah, no, that you, you, you bring up like some really good points. Interesting. Very cool. All right. Last second, last question is you're at the end of your life. You're looking back. It's like kind of a dark question. In a sense. You're looking <laughs> no, back cool. on everything you've done. If you could describe the impact that you wanted to have made or that you've made when you're looking back, what would that be in one word? Oh my God. In one word, bro. Yeah. It's a tough Damn. one. That's why your podcast is, is uh, successful. It's because you hit them with stuff like this in <laughs> one word. Ah. <sighs> I'm going to go Buddhist here. I'm going to say pure. Mm. I'm going to say pure, pure, because there there are so many things that are tangible that aren't actually that are like, I I believe aren't actually 
tangible and don't actually have much significance. You can't take a lot of things with you when you die, regardless of whether you think of an after you believe in an afterlife or not. Um, Factor in reality is like whether you believe in one or not, you're not going to be able to take your phone with you. <laughs> you. You know, like you can't like bring some cash in, in your pocket with you. You know, you're dead. So, so sorry to be like straightforward. So I, 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 I would say like, uh, you know, like I studied philosophy as well. Like that, that's sort of like how, how I think um, in that sort of perspective, like in a more philosophical perspective, but I, I, I would say a virtue, of, like a pure, like something along the lines of pure. Mm, I like it. The last one is what does all in mean to you? All in man. That's tough. That's, that's a good, that's a good question, but tough all in man. Got to give me a second. <laughs> no problem. Okay. What does it mean to you? How about you? Why, okay. why did you name it all in? Why did you name it all in? Yeah. Like growing up. So my mom had a nickname. She would call me Fervrua, which is like feverish, like the feverish mm. one. Um, because I was just so passionate about what I wanted to do. And when I wanted to do something like nothing could stop me, it was like, you know what? Like I'm going to land this trick and I'm not coming into till for dinner until I land this. Like, sorry, mm. mom, but like, I'm, I'm fully invested and I'm going mm. to like give myself the best chance to make it happen, whether I fail or not. Like I'm going to just go for it. I'm not going to be like, mm. oh, I'm going to go halfway because I don't want to look like a failure or like embarrass myself. It was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to tell the world they're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm like going to do it. And then mm. it's also evolved because I know like some people think all in means like having no balance. I'm like, just, you know, one yeah. single-mindedness, but I like to yeah. say like being all in means you're all in on yourself, whatever that is. And that means mm. like all the different inputs and like all the different sides of you, like you can't be all in on like the single thing you want to do without also taking care of like your mental health and all these things. So just like being fully invested in whatever you want to do and who you want to be. Mm, yeah. I like that. Okay. I would probably say I probably I'm gonna go a little philosophical again, <laughs> uh, just because how that's how that's how my mind works. But probably a deep exploration of self. Mm. Well, that's what I'm gonna say. Deep. So like implying, like it's not surface level, but you're also so there's a seriousness to it, and there's a genuine genuineness to it, um, a non tangibleness to it. But the exploration being more light, like more like childlike, you know, like more pure, like, you you know, in various areas, not just not just one, because I, I do disagree with the all in only single minded. Yeah. But I also understand I also understand, like, depending upon the stage that that you're in in life, that may be required for you. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the stage and stuff, but yeah, I would, I would probably go with the deep exploration one. That's how I perceive it. (laughs) That's awesome. I like it. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and talking about all these topics. Like I really enjoyed it. It's always fun to chat and and catch up and where can, like, where can people follow you, find you, like follow that journey to rugby and what you're doing now? 
Yeah, for sure. Well, for, firstly, thank you so much for having me on. It's always an honor. You're such an inspiration to so many people. You already know that. Um, I appreciate and you're it. also so you're also so genuine, which is nice. You know, you're not like stuck up and like hard to talk to. Uh, you're you're quite human, um, I which is that which, <laughs> which is like very respect respectable um, and very like also probably smart on your marketing side as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can, uh, yeah. <laughs> like marketing plan, be without, 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 without like, you know, like in, whether it's intentional or not, like it, it's, it's a very good thing. Um, where can you find me at underscore Reina Izuka uh, on TikTok or uh, Instagram? Actually, I prefer Instagram. Uh, <laughs> t- to be honest, uh, it, it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a lot harder to grow on Instagram than TikTok, at least I find. Um, but yeah, I, I post everything on, on, on my Instagram. Um, I actually became fun fact, like in like TikTok famous overnight three weeks ago, which is insane. I was at 90 followers and then now I'm at like 43 points something K let's go over, over one video, like what, like one, all it takes is one, one video and it's insane. Like the internet is crazy, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Reina Izuka, not an L I it's I I. I'll put, I'll put uh, a link to your Instagram in the show notes. That'd be dope. Uh, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much, Natalie. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.